Welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. As always, right there is my buddy Jim, probably already smelling ham baking or at least thinking about smelling ham baking, thinking about the Lions winning a fourth consecutive Turkey Day game. How you doing, brother? Is it really? They've won three in a row? Unbelievably, yes. They are going for four in a row on Turkey Day, which I can barely believe. Well, since this, most people will be, well, everybody will be hearing this after Thanksgiving uh, into the weekend. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving and food and football and family, if you don't hate them. And, uh, you know, so I hope everyone, I hope everyone had a, a good holiday. Well, if you do hate them, I mean, F off. That's not right. <laughs> don't hate your family. So uh, joining us this week are our good friends, James James Littleton. He's been on the show several times. Say hello, James. Hello, James. He's over there. He'll say hello. And there he goes. And Adam Yark. Yark. Look, it's just Yark. You you can say your full name if you want to, but everybody knows you as Yark. How you doing, brother? Good, man. How you guys doing? Happy holiday. Oh, thanks, man. Um, We have these two on because they just naturally tend to disagree on an awful lot of subjects. I love James, don't get me wrong. And we consider both of them to be family, and and we do love them both. And they love each other. In fact, this is a couple (laughs) of friends here that actually have made good on bets. You know you're a decent friend if you've done that, and you don't have any reason to think you're going to run into them in in the world. Okay? So, like... Good dudes, but um, we're going to have a good time in this show. All we're going to do is is talk about some different subjects. We're going to see what sparks any kind of contention. Um, if nothing else, we'll have some good conversation. At best, we'll have a few laughs, talking, taking an unserious subject a bit too serious for a minute. That's pretty pretty much what I want to accomplish today. You guys ready to have some fun? Yeah, and it's it's That's kind good. of what we do with the pirates, an unserious subject that we take too seriously at times. So yeah, and we're going to talk, talk, right talk pirates too. It's not just going to be turkey day stuff. We'll, we'll get some some bucko subjects in there. We really should start with a basic one. Let's just get one off the bat. We might not even disagree on these. That's not a prerequisite. Is limiting shifting really going to change things in baseball? I've looked at the stats that in my, in the minor leagues, it marginally affected left-handed hitters. I think we're seeing a trend online where a lot of people think it's going to look like a whole new game next year. All of a sudden, all these lefties that had like a 615 OPS are going to instantly get like a 730 next year from all the balls that are just going to rocket through that hole. And James, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? Is is it really going to change anything? Uh, marginally. I, I believe it's just going to be a minuscule change. Uh, I'm a fan of it. Uh, just I'm a firm believer in two people on either side of second base, everybody in the dirt. Um, but I think this is just going to be the first step in a process of finding out how to add more offense 
I know there's another one they tried the minors where they do the pie method at second base. And so I think that'll be the next thing they do. It makes sense. I mean, Yark, I know that you think they're going to hit probably about 60 or 70 more home runs next year, (laughs) but that doesn't have a lot to do with the shifting. So in all sincerity, do you think this is really going to change? I I can see, uh, I don't think it. No, I I think, you know, marginally with that hole, I think the more hits that will fall will be the ones from that deep second baseman that, you know, that's like a liner or the little line right to a guy. That makes sense. Yeah. Jim, what do you think? We've never really talked about this. No, I don't think we have, Gary. We haven't, we haven't dove into this. Uh, You know what? Um, I will say this. uh, If it, if there are some huge swings, my God, the pirates should be in good shape because we have lefties. We have lefties one through 19 through the order (laughs) somehow. So, um, but no, like, you know what? People do seem to be pretty like, um, at least the vibe I get that people, some people are expecting like big changes. I don't see it. I think teams are going to find creative ways to combat it. And um, uh, I'm looking forward to that just as much as seeing what actually the hitters do. I want to see defensively how that looks. And I've heard um, everything though. Like I've heard because of this shifting, it's it's that much more important to have a really good defensive first baseman. People have used it as an excuse for both getting Choi and this other dude they just picked up from Florida the other day. I mean, in all sincerity, a, a defensive first baseman, like a really rock-solid defensive first baseman, I have now heard as the conspiracy theory for because of shifting, have to have it. And it's suddenly going to take O'Neill Cruz and stop him from throwing it 20 feet over the head of the first baseman into the stands. And magically, every one of those is going to get caught. He's going to be a gold glover next year because of how good the first baseman is. What do you guys think of that? I mean, defensively at first base, how important is that? I love first baseman. I want a good one. But it's still not a premium defensive position, right? It's it's not. Let me yeah, let me start there because that's that's my uh, uh, position. And um, Jim's going to get snooty. It's going to be about first base. It really so, is. Uh, like it really is. I don't know a lot about a lot of things in life. I know about first base, and I apologize, guys. My shoulder's been killing me for like two or three days. So if you see me rubbing on this thing, and I'm you know uh, I'm not going to be ready for spring training. I don't think. But uh, no, um, look. What I would be telling O'Neill Cruz at shortstop is, listen, who's ever over there, give me a chance. Just at least put it in the dirt. Like, I can't do anything for you if it's 15 feet over my head. But you put it in the dirt, you give the guy a chance over there. Um, I think I think it's going to help the Pirates twofold just in a sense of, A, yeah, the shifting should make it more important. And B, just we've got O'Neill Cruz has a tendency to get a little wild with his throws and uh, Castro can be a little bit wild sometimes too. So I just think in general, it's going to help forget the shifting part of it. I mean, if that's part of it too, great. Um, but you know, I, 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 look, there was some debate about Choi, right? Going back and forth with people about whether he's a good first baseman. Sure. Um, I mean, he's, he's, 
he's the, he doesn't have a ton of range, but I think if you put it in front of him, he's going to field it. He's going to field the ball, and he's going to make some pretty nice stretches and scoops over there. And as good as he is, Lewin Diaz is even better. Right? He's an even better defender over there at first base. Mm-hmm. And, and Yark, that's why you love the signing so much. <laughs> I do. I don't mind it. I, I do. I think I think he needs at least a bigger target. You're throwing to a five foot eight uh, Chavez all last year. Couldn't have helped. You know, just a bigger target, a better glove will help him. And any help for that guy is a bonus. I mean, they need to hit it first base, obviously. You know, you have to be able to hit. I agree with that, but Jim, you can go ahead and tell him, James, I mean, you can go ahead and tell him why he's crazy for liking that (laughs) addition, because I don't see it, but what do you think, man? Uh, I love you, Yark, but (laughs) if the only argument for this Lewin is he's better than Hoy Park, taking up a roster spot, that's the only argument, and that's debatable. I mean, the guy's got 350 at-bats, and he's just been garbage in, ba- in, in the majors. I mean, an OPS plus of 55. I mean, he's got a little pop, but, I mean, I mean I, he's got a he, – he's, he's got a lot of pop. He's got he a good glove. the ball enough. I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A but, real good I glove. Mean, I, I can't I can't get around on it either. I hate I here's what I hate is like I mean it feels like we're just built we feels like we're always building cars out of spare parts trying to put together a whole car here and get it to run and be as good as anything else that you could go out and actually buy that would be that would be decent. You know and just again it just feels like piecing together at something first base, maybe a little better piecing of it, but I mean, it is the same thing. So I, I'm just tired of that. Just, I would have preferred you to just go out and get somebody that could ha- handle the position, you know, as on, on a full-time basis, instead of trying to go back to some kind of a weird platoon, like we always try to do. It's frustrating, especially since a, a platoon isn't even logical with two lefties. No, that's let's why it's weird a, to call it that. Let's no, take a quick it, break. It when we come back, let's start talking about some other topics, okay? Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Jim, James, Yark, uh, we're just having a family duke out about a bunch of subjects today. And uh, some of them are going to be silly, not baseball. We're going to talk Turkey Day a little bit here. And and I have to target my my beloved partner, Jim, here um, in the very first subject because I have to ask, if you don't have turkey on Thanksgiving, did you even really have Thanksgiving? Because... Jim is of the belief that honey baked ham is the way to go. Now, I don't know how he gets through Black Friday without the constant excuse of diarrhea stops while you're shopping <laughs> from the turkey, but apparently that, that doesn't matter to him at all. That's where online shopping comes in. <laughs> you can do that from your bathroom. 
I think we know Jim's opinion about ham on Thanksgiving already. Yark, what do you think? If somebody told you, come over to Thanksgiving, we're going to have ham instead of turkey, how do you feel? I, I wouldn't be angry. We we considered it. I had a small Thanksgiving for my dad and stuff today with my family, and then we're going to go to her sister's later on the weekend for a turkey and all that stuff. So for us to switch it up, we were going to do – I was going to do a ham or a prime rib, but – I just deep fried a turkey today instead because it was faster. That's actually not a that's actually not a bad idea if you have two to go to. So I'll get a ham I'll sneak ham into this conversation anyway. Anyway, I can't. But if you have two different ones to go to, unless you absolutely love turkey, it mixes it up a little bit. Yeah, I get sick of it. It's just too much to do it, you know. Oh, this is sacrilege. Sacrilege. <laughs> James, what's going on down in West Virginia? Is a turkey oh, on the table or what? If it was up to me, it would just be ham. Uh, but my yes. Wife oh, my insists, God. Yes. <laughs> my wife insists on you having three? three turkeys for 25 people. So, and one little ham. So, but yeah, I'm all about the ham. <laughs> so I thought I was going to outnumber Jim on this. And <laughs> I have been horribly outnumbered. <laughs> ham is acceptable to all three of you. Prefer. No wonder you accept this baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> turkey, turkey to me, man, it's the show. I mean, I have ham on pretty much every other holiday, to be honest. So, like, I need the turkey on Thanksgiving. That's what it's all about. Well, let I'm, me let me piss you off even further, then, Gary, because I'll let I'll let my deepest, darkest Thanksgiving secrets out here on the podcast. But like, I don't like. I'm not a huge leftovers person at Thanksgiving. Like I, I don't eat a ton of it. So like, I don't do well with like reheated stuff. Um, and Turkey to me that really, I don't like it cold. I know people like to do like weirdo sandwiches and all that stuff. I'm just out. Like, especially if it's Turkey ham, I can go a couple days on, but Turkey man, couple slices. I'm good. I want things like, I'll overdose on stuffing, first of all. So Dude, you think you know a person. You <laughs> think you know a person. And then like, you know, you're I like, did. I you know, I could hang out with this dude. And we get along real good for over over a year now. Yeah. And now I've yeah. come to find out this dude won't even eat leftovers on Thanksgiving. It's like when it's like when Jerry uh, Seinfeld tells George to finally tell him his deepest, darkest secrets, and then George does, and Jerry's like, "Well, good luck with all that, dude, because you just scared the hell out of me." So, <laughs> eh, you know, I mean, I, you guys don't agree on leftovers, I'm sure. Oh no, I'm all about leftovers. Uh, stuffing, stuffing, and my mom's broccoli casserole. I hit a whole pan of broccoli casserole that my mom made from everybody Saturday. I took it, buried it, tell, and brought it home. Well, t- tell us about this <laughs> broccoli casserole, because that sounds delicious. He put it in a West Virginia refrigerator. He buried it. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> we still beat Pitt. But <laughs> so tell, tell me about it. What is it? Is it just... It's cheese got broccoli, broccoli cheese. There's a little bit of sour cream. It's um, there's uh, Ritz crackers crumbled up and sprinkled on top. 
Oh, it's amazing. Uh, Man. A whole that sounds delicious. Yeah, I've just, seen it before. I, the smell of it, I, I don't think, is, is, is something I could get past. The you can find it on the bench. broccoli bothers the hell out of me. <clears throat> well, I also despise sweet potatoes in any form. Um, I can't, I can't stomach them. Um, let's see what else. Unbelievable. I know, like sweet potatoes, yams. I can't do it. Well, if so, you ever come over to my house for Thanksgiving, you can just bring McDonald's because I don't have anything for you. I don't have anything for you to eat. Honestly, give me mashed potatoes. Give me some stuffing. Give me some uh, ham. Uh, I'd like some pie, like apple pie for dessert. I'm not a big pumpkin pie guy. So I don't know. Where do you guys fall on some of the, 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 the standby stuff? I fall like on the American side of it, you communist. Well, <laughs> I mean, you don't like pumpkin any pie. of the Thanksgiving food. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a huge, like I said, like it's so I've had to find ways to kind of kind of get my own, you know, dinner rolling for that. So <laughs> let's jump back into sports real quick. Let's do another sports one. This is pretty general, but I think we this probably has legs. Is instant replay good for sports? Like, I know that it, it, it's not going to go away now. And this is also very cliche. But I think back about games when I was growing up and how they would have changed if instant replay was, was involved and how the results of games would have changed completely. And some of the games are, are things that I treasure the most. Like, I, it bothers the hell out of me. Like now that you can't have a, a turnover in football without instantly going to video replay, it bothers the hell out of me that you can't hit a home run right against the wall and have it immediately be a home run. It's it drives me nuts. I, I hate the stolen base now because of it. I, every single aspect of it in sports, besides the fact that the Penguins are flawless at calling for it. <laughs> Bothers Tom, the hell Tomlin out of doesn't, Tomlin doesn't seem to like them either. No. Just because he can't win them. York, you, you go ahead and start because, I mean, you're probably around the same age as me. It drive, it has to drive you nuts, I think. I mean, I really don't. I You know, when you say it, I, I, I don't I didn't think about it that much because it just seems like the whole broadcast of especially football anymore. It's almost just too much. It's commercial after commercial anyway. You know, and even the the. The, the telecast where you used to you used to watch them walk up to the line, you used to watch the guys in motion. Now yeah. I I see mostly the sidelines, the coaches, the stands, and then they get to right at the, as the snap goes. You know, I used to like to watch to see if you know they're running guys in motion to see if there's a man to man or a zone or you know who's moving in, around, and you don't even get to see that half the time. And that's so if it's not for one me, of those broadcasts where they the got the camera kinda, just flying around in a in a circle above them, like spinning all around, giving you vertigo. Yeah. yeah I, I, I can't deal with that. So it's just even all that just is like, it's kind of, you know, like we're getting old. So it's like, man, I, I miss the old days where you just see that and you watch the game, you know, but yeah, I could see where it's just like a lot of times it's just so unnecessary and slows things down. And just, you know, in some, some human error is okay. It's worse than college, I would say. College uh, football and basketball in particular. 
The replay system in those two sports drives me insane. Constant stoppages. Everything is reviewed. I mean, just a normal hit. Just a hit that looks bad is under review. It's not It's not even uh, like the yeah. result was bad. I mean, James, what do you think? You're older than all of us, I think. I, I am older. <laughs> um, I don't mind replay. Um, I think there are ways to improve it. Um, I think if you penalize teams for asking for a replay and it fails, uh, NFL, you can give them a delay of game, five-yard penalty. I think there are ways to maybe slow down how many replays are asked for. So, I don't mind. That makes sense. I, I mean, so you're pretty much open to it, but it, I don't you think do you wish guys- that they would adapt the way that it's being administered. Yeah, I don't think somebody should lose a perfect game because the first base umpire is blind. <laughs> yeah, there's always that aspect of it. I mean, I like some of the things it's yeah. fixed. Well, I just don't like what it's done to the presentation of the game or the spontaneous joy of the game. I mean, how many times has the last play of the game happened and you you have to wait for the referees to make sure that it was kosher <clears throat> before That's you actually get to celebrate it's how I watch football. I can tell you that. Like I have a delay. I don't even yell until they they yes. review the touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, I have a delayed celebratory reaction. I'm looking for flags, and then I'm looking for replay. Yeah, I think like for me, the thing that I would take issue with in baseball, which I find to be go go figure, baseball screwing something up, shockingly, <laughs> but they're challenging plays, and they're challenging everything in the play. You don't even have to. You don't even have to specify what you're challenging. Like if there's two or three things going on in the play, it's all up for grabs. You know, like to me that that's insane. Like you have to be able to at least specify what you what you want and at least narrow down your field of view. Yeah, right. Yeah. I I mean, come on. Like you know that part to me is absurd. The thing that I really can't stand in football is like teams which i don't blame them finding a way to beat the booth to stop the play so they can review it and every once in a while it works they don't get the play stopped they don't stop the next play from happening and they beat you know the booth to the review and i think it just happened in the buffalo bills game recently that play on the sideline um who were they just playing it just happened in the um in the Minnesota-Dallas game okay, this past weekend where um, the Dallas kicker kicked like a 60-yard field goal and the refs came out and blew it dead like as the ball's in the air and it's good. Like So the play happened and they went back and reviewed the previous play, which I didn't think you were allowed to do. Yeah. And, but they did. They basically said, okay, yeah, it was fine. And then they made him kick it again. Probably because of what happened in that Buffalo game. They didn't. There was a play late on the sideline. And uh, who did Buffalo just go? There was, that was a crazy Minnesota. game. Like two. Okay. Yeah. And the play should have been reviewed and it wouldn't have been a catch. And um, I think it worked out for Minnesota. They won. So it, it didn't cost them the game, but it, it easily could have. And so then you get into that, right, Gary, which is so the next game, they actually 
didn't beat it, but then they still call they still blew blew it dead. I mean, yeah. we can't we can't be having that, can we, guys? I think I think what the funny thing is about replay is like it's in there so, to get everything right. That's the excuse. Let's get <laughs> right. everything right, and then you're not getting everything right. And now we have slow motion visual evidence that you didn't get it right. You know, so all you've done is made it worse. All you've done is made me notice your incompetence that much more. Like, I don't need to see that. What if, well, let me throw this out there. What if we did something where, and I've put no thought into this. I'm just asking. What if it was just for the playoffs postseason? Oh, man, I don't know. Wouldn't that change the way you play? Wouldn't that change the way that you that you go about things? Like, let's say, let's say, I could live with I could live with it more in the regular season, but I I would hate to see someone get screwed in the postseason. Is kind of my the reason I was thinking of it. Not that you know, there's not problems behind it. Let's say hockey goes all season without it, and then they come to the playoffs, and all of a sudden replay is an option, right? And you know, you can replay just about everything you want. Goalie interference is always the popular one. Well, refs are immediately going to be untested into what they're looking for. They haven't been looking at it all year long. So all of a sudden now there's this fresh play and they're like, oh yeah, that, that looks like interference to me. Well, you put those things in slow-mo, almost every one of them looks like goaltender interference. If you really, really want to, you can be like, well, he did kick his toe. Oh, he did push his pad. Oh, he did grab his jersey. There's always something, right? I kind of want them tested a little bit before the playoffs because every time they implement something new, they always call things too tight. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's fair. I think, too, in, like, football, what we've been trained to watch is, like, or or that the refs have been trained to do is, like, let the play go, and they wouldn't be doing that. They wouldn't have to worry about that. But in the playoffs, they would. So, so if I had a time machine, yeah. I think that's what I would do is take away instant replay. I, I just can't stand it. And I think I, it has been this, used right. The stuff at second base is really bad to me. Like that to me was not the intended, you know, on like, you know, by God. That, I, I mean, not not that we should have let it go or like you had to be within two feet of the bag. You didn't even have to touch it. You guys remember way right. back in the day when they used to let it slide. Oof. But, I mean, we're talking, like, fingertip on the bag, stolen base stuff. Like, I I just don't know that it was meant for that. You guys ready for a baseball controversy that relates to the Pirates? I think we have to. That doesn't doesn't narrow it down, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. All right, I'll start with Yark on this one. When did the Pirates' current rebuild actually start? Uh, and you know what I mean. You look around well, online, you've seen a lot of takes that, that <laughs> this rebuild really started in 2016 and 1980, the second they <laughs> traded Kutch. <laughs> so right. what do you um, think? It was probably when they traded Marte. So Ben Charrington this, this was the beginning of thing. this I mean, rebuild for you. Well, I guess you could. I mean, if you want to include the draft picks like Swaggerty and Priester in with that. I don't think they want to include But everything else, he basically. So. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a strange situation for sure. 
But um, so moving Marte was your, your yeah, yeah, and, and that would probably be the start of it. Yeah, but he had two years left. They could have did some stuff differently and try to you know build it different with the core they had at that time. Bell and Marte and Tyon and Musgrove and Frazier and Hayes was coming and you could have added to that if you wanted to lengthen, you know, instead of blowing it all the way up. Potentially. So I understand what you're saying. James, what do you think? Where did, when did this actually start? I agree with York with the, the start of beast with, uh, <laughs> of Charrington. I disagree that they should have tried to bridge it somehow. I think he's, doing it his way. I wish people would be patient with it instead of offering up all these asinine free agent signings that they could possibly do right now to fix it. Um, it's going to, I have faith it's going to work. It may not work on some people's timelines, but I believe that when Charrington took over, he started a complete build from the ground up, wanted to get his people that he wanted in here Want to get rid of people that he knew were leaving no matter what, like Bell. Bell was Bell was leaving, regardless. He was going to go. And so I just, I think it's going to work. I think 2025 is the realistic, really being competitive season to look at, but I believe it's going to work. So Jim, James thinks that they'll be really, really competitive in 2025. Uh-huh. And that's kind of the the high point, or the, where when the build comes together, he thinks they started right around the Marte deal. Two questions for you then: When uh-huh. do you think that the rebuild started? And if James is right, and twenty twenty five is when this thing really emerges from the shadows, when do they trade Reynolds? Yeah, well, funny because that you ask those questions and they bring up more questions, right? So um, I think in, in fairness to Sherrington, and um, I don't know that I've always been super fair with him just because sometimes you have had enough at times, but uh, I'll say it's, I'll say it's when he came in and when he took over. I mean, so I, I just don't, I can't, I can't backdate it further than that if he wasn't here and wasn't the one making some of the decisions. So to me, like I, I, I can't do that. So I'll say it's day one when he steps in the door. The only reason I think it's fair to, to point behind it sometimes, which I don't, I actually agree with everybody here. I think it really was when Charrington came on. So I think he evaluated what he had. This is the direction he decided to go. But if you want to say that you think it started in like 2018, I can give you that. And I, and I say that because I'm giving Charrington, you know, Hayes and Reynolds and Castro and Cruz and all the guys he inherited. So, I, you know, it's, it's, if I can give guys that were already here, I think I can give him, you know, give this effort a couple extra years if I feel like it. I personally don't. I think 2019 is when it started. But it's just a, an odd point of contention that I hear a lot of people want to make. I, I've even heard um, the Archer deal was was part of this rebuild, which to me was ridiculous. The Archer deal was literally them thinking that they had a shot 
I'm going for it. All in. I mean, I don't know how you could get, could confuse that with thinking that was part of a rebuild. Well, <clears throat> let me let me say this about and answer that second part of that question when it comes to Reynolds. Um, and James may be right. I mean, we may be looking at 2025. But, fellas, it's 2022. I mean, that seems a long ways off <laughs> still. And I get saying, hey, you know, you need to be patient. It's a long ways away. And, and if it really is 2025, then I start making a case. If it's going to be then, then I start making a case. Then you move Brian Reynolds. And I have been steadfast up until this point of saying that I don't want to move him. I want to build around him. I think he's underrated. I know some, I I know some people go, go, go the other route saying he's overrated. I, I don't know how anyone can say that in the lineup that he's been in for the last three, four years and how dumpy the Pirates offense is and he still is productive I mean you're talking about a guy that still produces drives and runs he can still hit for average I mean he's he I don't want to call him a unicorn but there there ain't a whole lot of well-rounded hitters out there anymore not switch hitters Um, either no actually can handle it from both sides he's pretty unique so that's 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 where I'm at on it Um, so you are you always propose moving Reynolds. I don't know if you do that as a joke or you're just trying to get under people's skin or if you really think it's something you want to do, but no, it's just, I just, just to throw it out with, get an idea. Like I, I don't actually advocate for it. I'm not sure I want him past like age 32 though, honestly, especially at a high price, you know, it's not my money, but whatever, it does affect the rest of the team. You know, I don't want him 33, $20 million declining, not a good outfielder anymore. You know, the bat might not be where it is now, <clears throat> stuff like that. But but if it's 2025, what's the point? James, well, James is dying to get in on this. I see him just biting his lip and everything. He's squirming. I, let me, I want to clear something up. By 2025, I mean competing for a World Series title. I mean, I do expect to see progress this upcoming season, being competitive for a wild card the next season. I I see progress, and I want to see that. Um, and I know that Yark and I differ greatly on Reynolds. Um, he's advocated to either trade him or just let him play it out uh, and then let him go, which I'm not a fan of letting guys go for free that have value. That's just especially for a small market team. Um, if you're not going to sign to an extension, then do then trade him now. Then just do it. Uh, because he's not going to be here when this team, or he will be in his last season when this team is ready to compete for a World Series title. It really goes back to what we've said over and over again with Reynolds. If, because of the way this is all timing out, even with your clarification, I still think you're looking at being in the middle of the apex of this thing right when Reynolds expires, if you don't extend him. And while I understand not wanting him around until he's 32, not that I think that's ancient for the type of player he is. I I actually think he'll probably maintain through about 34, 35, but 
regardless. If you give him a couple extra years and, and keep him as part of this thing, or at least if you want him to be part of this thing through like 27 or so, then I feel a lot better about where they are. But if I've got it hanging over my head that Reynolds is on his way out the door right when they get to that World Series contention spot, if you're correct, James, or even if that's just division title contention, that's, to me, a mistake, and it will be seen as a failure by everybody here. I I tend to agree with you on that part, Gary. I don't know how you could let it come down. You have to give yourself a couple-year extension, something on the other side of that thing, so it's not all kind of converging at once. I mean – Think about the situation they'd be in. Like, let's just, yeah. let's just pretend we're in 2025. Everybody's right. They're in contention. Like, we don't know World Series contention, but let's say they're leading the division by two runs or two games. Okay, they're, they're up two games in September or in uh, the end of July. They're not going to be able to trade Brian Reynolds right then and there. They're going to have to keep him and let him walk. A team like this, letting a player like that walk could set this whole thing back years. They won't recover from it. I mean, they just won't. That's why you're right. If you're not going to extend him, you move him. And that decision to me has got to be done this year. Yeah. That's actually Gary. It's what I was going to follow up with is, I mean, yes or no to you guys. Like, is there, are we in, red flag territory when it comes to Brian Reynolds not having anything done yet. You know, does that, does that make you seriously question where it is? I think it, it does me. I'd like to know, you know, I think Gary says, no, I don't know. Um, Yark, James, what do you think? Is it weird that it hasn't happened? And does that, and does that tell you that it might not? I don't. I don't think I'm in red flag yet. Um, for me, next off season would be red flag when his, this arb deal's over uh, or this extension that he did. But if they don't get anything done, then he's got two years left, and I feel that they would have to get rid of him at that point, no matter what. So you're so you're not worried at all. You'd still think it's going to happen. I I think. I'm like in yellow. I'm concerned, but I'm not in red flag. <laughs> I think they have time to get it done still. Okay. Yark? I No, I don't think – I'm not a red flag yet. I, I think that if it's not done before this season, it's really something you got to think it's – he's either going to be out the door maybe at this deadline coming up or in the off season because <clears throat> I, I, it's going to be getting too close for him to hit in free agency for it to them to it's going to be hard to get a deal done to make it worth him not just waiting those two years out. Yeah, you're, to, not gonna, you're not going to you're not going to get somebody the, to tack the, on two more years on when, the end of their control. 
Yeah, when yeah. I'm about to be, you know, a free agent for the first time at what 30, 31, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's what you work, it's what you work for, right? I mean, is to get to that right. point. So, I don't know, Gary, what do you think? I I think that if he's not uh, extended before um spring training is over this year, there's a very high likelihood that 2023 is Brian Reynolds' last season as a Pittsburgh Pirate. They'll have to move him in the off season for something else, and they'll sell it as they have somebody else ready to go. And you know that was part of their plan, but I don't. I don't think it should be. I don't think you move on from a player in the prime of his career um, right now. He'll be a free agent. This, going is, to this would be like trading. This would be like trading McCutcheon. Um, you know, in twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good and I, pretty I just, good comparison. I cannot see I'm, I can't see how that functions. And again, I don't I don't think with Brian Reynolds you get to 31, 32 and you start freaking out that he's falling apart. Awful lot of good players that are in their 30s. An awful lot of them, for real. Look at Toronto last year. Like awful lot of good players that are in their 30s. George yeah. Springer I mean, there, you know, look, I mean, there's, yeah. Come on now. There's so a lot like, of. We're acting far too often. Not we, not this room, but as a fan, far too many people are acting like 33. A guy is like looking at Crips. I mean, like, it's not, it's not <sighs> like that. They could play for quite some time in baseball, especially now with the designated hitter. Now that we have a universal DH, we should be even less worried about that. And McCutcheon was kind of an anomaly when when he fell off. Like it shouldn't have happened. I think some people have PTSD from that too. Where McCutcheon should have had two, three, four more years of elite playing in him. It just didn't. It just for whatever reason it didn't happen, and there was a significant drop off. Um, the last thing I'll say about Reynolds or the last question I'll ask is, is why do, why do you think, why do you guys think that we, we do hear that with Reynolds is that he's overrated. I mean, I, I see that um, to me. I don't, I don't get that, but I, I see it. I don't know if you guys do or not. You want, you want the truth? My, my honest reason why I think that I hear that. A lot? I can handle the truth, Gary. I, I can handle you, it. I think you hear that a lot because, um, People are preparing themselves for uh, their message post uh, Reynolds trade. If you've built him up as overrated, then it's a lot easier when they trade him to say, like, good move. Right? Okay. I, I, I think you hear things like that a lot, especially like the Josh Bell hate was never louder than when everybody knew he was getting traded. Because everybody tore his arm apart. Oh, this guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Meanwhile, he had a pretty decent season after he learned how to throw sidearm. I mean, like he started like making better plays and everything. Um, even I did it. I, I I talked about his constant adjustments at the plate and how like he was never going to get consistent and all that stuff. Right? Turns out, like I don't think I've really been that wrong. I mean, look at how he was after he got dealt to San Diego versus before. Look at how half of his season in Washington went last year. It's not like I've been off about it. 
It's just everything got exaggerated because so everybody knew he was going. So you're saying it's more of like a coping mechanism for pirate fans, yeah. essentially. Yeah. It's a lot easier to say he's mediocre than, or he's going to age out than it is to admit that your team is too stupid to keep a good player. Yeah. In the prime of his <laughs> career. York James, what do you think? Is it, do you think people are fair when they say that about him? No, absolutely not. I, I think that uh, that 2020 season probably was like a, a a real red flag for some people too. You know, they saw those numbers dip the way they did, and he was terrible. I mean, it's just no if ands, or buts. He had a really bad year, and not, not a lot of people did for whatever reason. You know, COVID, short spring training, what, whatever, whatever was his, you know, his home situation, whatever the, the reasons could have been. And I don't think that's the player he is, but that's obviously like I've seen people point to that. Like he was terrible this year. He was terrible for the first half this year, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, it, and it's and it's not fair. It's not fair. He's he's an all star. He's probably a top 20 to 30 hitter in baseball. You know, right in his prime. And you're right. I mean, he's at least as good as John Cangelosi, right? Well. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, James? I mean, for real. I think that a lot of casual fans just look at certain numbers. Uh, they oh, he's not a 30 home run hitter. He's not knocking in 100 runs. I mean, but he's got no protection in a lineup. Zero. And so, I mean... He, the kid is hit, and I, I can call him a kid at whatever because I'm in my 50s. But, I mean, he's hit 300 everywhere. His college, minors, pros, the kid can hit. It's just with when you have zero protection in a lineup, it's tough. You're not going to see right. the best bitches. I think that people see 260, 20-some homers. 70 RBIs and we're like, oh, he's overrated. He's not really. I'll say the protection is there. I, I think the losing is just as a big a thing to have to push through year after year game. I mean, you're talking hundreds of games and they have lost a boatload of games with Brian Reynolds. So to me, like yeah. even that mental side of things is like to still be pretty consistent be a productive hitter. Then you've got trash around you in the lineup. I just think people are selling that way, way short. Well, this turned into the Brian Reynolds show, but let's take a quick break and we'll come <laughs> back. We'll, we'll change up and talk about a couple other things. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Jim, Yark, and James with me. And we're talking a little bit of Thanksgiving. We're talking a little bit of sports. Let's start with with Jim's favorite subject that he brought up last week off the air about wanting mac and cheese with Thanksgiving. He said, is that right? Should you have mac and cheese with Thanksgiving? Does it belong on that plate? And my answer was, it's too much starch. You know, I have enough with the potatoes and sweet potatoes and all that other jazz. I don't need mac and cheese. 
but I can appreciate it. And the reason I can appreciate it is because uh, I have been to some Southern houses for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and um, fortunately, they were um, prepared by black grandmas. And when you have had a black grandma prepare you some Thanksgiving food with mac and cheese and collard greens and all the good stuff, it's really hard to sit here and say it doesn't belong on a plate. That said, if it was my mac and cheese, no, it does not belong on the plate. But I would take that shit <laughs> on any plate, no matter what meal ever. It's that good. Well, you know, full disclosure, I love mac and cheese. Like, you know, um, do I look like a guy that turns down a, a uh, helping of mac and cheese? Probably as long not. As it's not reheated, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got to be fresh. That's for sure. <laughs> But uh, well, you know we haven't we haven't pulled out a poll in a while, so I'll you know let's 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 do it. Um, sim- the question was simple: Is mac and cheese a Thanksgiving dish? Yes, no. That's all. That's all I put on there. Um, overwhelming response here: two hundred and eighty-two votes. So people felt compelled to weigh in. This is a national crisis. I mean, it has to be solved. So let's let's get to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, here's where people stood on it, um, and of course, this would have more of a local. Probably, I mean, you know, people follow from all over, but I'm assuming it's more local. Uh, is mac and cheese a Thanksgiving dish? No, fifty-six percent. Yes, forty-four percent. I mean, I agree with it entirely. I personally would never make it up here. Like I said, though, I can appreciate it. James, you're from West Virginia. Besides squirrel and raccoon, do you have have mac and cheese down there on your Thanksgiving plate? Uh, Well, usually my sister mother makes it. Um, no, we don't have mac and cheese at ours. We go with the usual, the staples, ham, uh, usually mashed potatoes, but my wife has naturally carpal tunnel now. So we went with cheesy potato, cheesy potatoes this year, uh, homemade noodles, my mom's broccoli casserole. Uh, my wife insists on having Brussels sprouts, which I could do without. Um, and, and, and corn and a couple other small side dishes, but no mac and cheese here in at least northern West Virginia. That makes sense. Yark, I mean, I know you do whatever your wife says, but <laughs> is she a fan of mac and cheese on the Thanksgiving plate? Well, <clears throat> normally I would say no, but we kind of did like a quicker smaller thing just for my dad and and um today and she grabbed the costco one we didn't we cheated the costco one you throw in the yeah. oven which are very good they if you are haven't very had, good but exactly. yes, it was on the table today so 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 you did make it and uh yeah you're right actually that costco one is pretty pretty darn good jim's changing his mind on mac and cheese for thanksgiving <laughs> as we I, speak I, <laughs> Let me say this: like I go like the the au gratin way with like a lot of my cheesy dishes. So I can know. hear him right now. Like as soon as we shut this off, he's gonna go, Chris. What time's Costco close? <laughs> <laughs> we got to get down to Costco. 
I love it. Mac and cheese. Okay, so it sounds like your poll says no, but we're probably just a little too far north of the Mason-Dixon for that to be an accurate poll, right? Pretty pretty heavily Yinzer flavored in there. I bet like because we're not New England, if you said oyster stuffing, you'd get a resounding no as well. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, you would for me because I'd be in a hospital. <laughs> but, okay, here – Here's another topic for everybody, and and this one gets touchy sometimes. Is there ever going to be a day where the steroid players get in the hall? I mean, I think we're starting to see a softening, even from some of the language that Manfred has had recently on Pete Rose. Like, he doesn't think he should be allowed in the game, but that doesn't necessarily mean he shouldn't be allowed in the hall. I wondered if that was a statement that was almost starting to lay track for people to eventually forgive the the steroid era guys a little bit. Um, Pete Rose has some other issues about diddling kids, so I don't want to like I don't want to make it out like he should get in one way or another. I don't want to fight about Pete Rose, but in all sincerity, let's take a guy like Barry Bonds. He's the most obvious in the room. Um. Does does the league ever forgive him and let him in? Does James Littleton ever forgive him and let him in? That's that's way. <laughs> <laughs> James, people can't hear your head shaking. We have two audiences here. <laughs> no, baseball may. I will not. Um, I'm just not a fan of rewarding cheaters. And I know people are going to say, well, he never tested positive and blah, blah, blah. The man admitted he used. Oh, he used. Everybody knows he did it. Everybody knows it, but there are even still the people the deniers. That, even the people that pretend they don't. His no. trainer yeah. went to prison to avoid testifying against him. The man did roids. I, I, I'd like to – I can imagine James going to the, the uh, ear doctor with a nasty ear infection and he tries to prescribe him prednisone or any type of steroid and James insists on the homeopathic route. He is not he is not putting <laughs> steroids in his body in listen, any way. Listen to Jim giving, him, giving James the Ryan Braun treatment here. Like <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna bake in an excuse for you, James. If Ryan Braun if I ever thought he would make it, I mean what he did to that poor official Oh, well, he's a disgusting human being. Well, so is Barry Bonds. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if we're just going to keep disgusting humans out, I mean. <laughs> Barry Bonds was just an a-hole. I mean. But James, I, Barry Bonds. I mean, is it ever going to happen? I, I think it sounds like I think you, it think, will. you think there's a possibility. I think baseball is going that way with these committees. They need 75% of what, 16 people to get in this year. Um. I personally would never let them in. Um, confirmed ones. I mean, you've got the like the big poppy who people say he tested positive, and then Manfred said no, that test, or Seelig said no, that test couldn't be uh, counted on because of issues. But like we know, Bonds were. I mean, Rafael Palmero, we know. I mean, I'm just no. I'm just a no. Yark, what do you think? Yeah, go ahead, Yark. Are they ever going to let them in? And oh, do you I think mean, they should? I really don't. I, I, I'm fine with. I, 
I'm fine with the steroid users, to be honest. You know, I think it's hard even as a, a, a Pittsburgh fan to be anti-steroid if you like all those Super Bowls from the 70s. So those dudes were roided out through their face. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. like weird for Pittsburgh people to like, you know, really be anti-steroids. But um, I, I, I there's some guys that did it and it was just, you know, Barry Bonds is one of the greatest baseball players that ever put on a glove, wear a bat, you know, wear a hold a bat but um (laughs) i think they'll all get in they already are starting to sprinkle in you know ortiz had his questions you know bagwell had questions piazza there was you know the zits on his back or whatever they said about him and you know these guys have been sprinkling i don't think i ever heard about piazza's on his back I, I, I'm going to be embarrassed to Google that after the show because I've never heard that. I think it was a thing. It's like they said he's had acne, real bad acne all over his back or something. And back then, that was like dude, a big dude was probably tell for making out with some chick and some poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you never know. Next thing you know, a good looking I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, baseball is trending in a direction where I think they realize they kind of have to open the door. Um, my problem really has always been it's gone on longer than the era. Okay. The era of steroids really is about the era of us assuming and knowing about guys taking steroids. Right. But steroids were a problem long before that. Even you remember Lyle Alzado and, and all his trials and tribulations and, so it, it's been a part of sports for a while. Baseball just has a delineated line of when they started the witch hunt and when they felt like they had solved the problem, right? Baseball's the only sport that's done that. Baseball's the only one that said, guys started being assholes right here, and we were awesome and stopped them from being assholes right here. So everybody in between there, <laughs> For the most part, you should assume first they were assholes. And then after that, we'll clear them for you. (laughs) Basically, if we never accused them of being an asshole, they're probably not an asshole. That's, That's what it's become. And there's a few guys that actually got caught, but there's this gross blanket of poop over the entire era of baseball. And they're the only sport stupid enough to do it to themselves. All the rest of them just ignore it. <laughs> well, you know, and I like to say like, oh, I think, you know, here's my problem in baseball. And I think a lot of times people come back to baseball with it because of the statistics and the numbers are, are so much how we judge everything in baseball, right? Um, doesn't necessarily count in football when you're Mike Webster, you know, um, the greatness is measured in different ways. I think at least from statistical, a statistical standpoint, where I start, where I start hesitating about some of these guys is, is that when I feel that they're going to get in because they use steroids and that helped them get the numbers. You know, like I look at a Barry Bonds and I mean, before he touched a steroid, he was already a hall of famer, you know? Uh, so 
it, it does. I don't have to worry about that. Well, I mean, James, you can roll your eyes, buddy, but oh, no. I mean, hey, he, <laughs> hey, in the nineties, he averaged a thirty thirty for a decade. I mean, he was he was a Hall of Famer already. He already had how many MVP awards? He was a Hall of Famer. So, like, I don't have to worry about Barry Bonds whether he deserved it or not. But whenever I take a look at like a guy like Mark McGuire, who was so he- home run heavy dependent, yeah, I start I start to get uneasy about it. And I don't even know if that's a fair way to do it, but that's just kind of how my brain starts to try to break it all down. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nuanced subject that often doesn't get nuanced to be honest with you. I I really feel like baseball did it to themselves, created this era. The rest of them aren't like that. The NFL was like, "Oh yeah, a couple guys did it. We told them not to do it. We're testing for it now." When's the last time you heard somebody getting kicked out of the NFL for HGH? When's the last time you heard somebody on suspension for steroids in the NFL? They test for yeah. it all the time. Do you believe it's, all those guys are Snow White? <clears throat> yeah, it's always some weird little right. supplement in a in a in a right. powder that gets them. Right. You know. You hear about it in the NHL? You don't, do you? Mm-mm. They all get tested for it. Do you hear about it? Do you ever hear about anybody getting suspended? Those guys are all perfect angels too. Oh, hockey players? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but like in all sincerity, like you look around the other sports, you don't hear about it. Baseball does it to itself because baseball thinks they're held to a higher standard. They think they have to show results. They have to pick guys that 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 didn't pass the muster, right? They didn't have to take it to the direction they did. They didn't have to expose themselves the way they did. They... What they did is lifted their skirt and bared their ass to the world. And baseball didn't have to do it. They also didn't have to get in bed with the United States government so that the Congress had the the right to drag them in and have those hearings where they were drumming up even more suspicion about players. Wagging the finger. Yep. Rafael Palmero. Yep. So, I mean, like, as usual, baseball screws itself. Which leads me right into the next topic. And Jim, I'll start with you because I haven't started with you yet. At the end of the day, we hate Scott Boris for being really good at his job, don't we? That's the truth. <laughs> if he was doing a deal for you, you'd want him too. Yeah, I, I more than hate him. I despise that guy. But, I mean, he, he, he has taken full advantage of everything about that is wrong about baseball and exploited the hell out of it. And he is to me the most despicable guy, but he's also a master at what he does. And he's, I don't think it's even close. He's the most powerful guy in, in the sport. Yeah, as as Jim said, James, Scott Boris is more than somebody who's just taken advantage of baseball's system. Scott Boris is somebody that's helped write baseball's system. And if you're going to let a snake write, <laughs> write down your roles, 
he's going to leave himself plenty of ways to slither. So, James, at the end of the day, we hate Scott Boris for being really good at his job. Right? My, ma- Mama said he the devil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scott Boris, for me, is probably the worst thing to happen to baseball in the last 20 years. At least. Since he got A-Rod that deal from the Rangers, uh, who are bidding against themselves. Nobody else is going to give that money. Um, but he also hurt some of his own clients. I mean, and it's sad to see that what he did to who was it, Michael Conforto last year, talked him into not taking a qualifying offer, and he loses out on what nineteen million dollars just because Boris wanted more. Um he does he takes Pedro. he takes advantage of a, a lot of situations like the whole uh Carlos Correa situation where he had him sign a one-year deal with an out <clears throat> so he would get money instead of Correa's former agents who had done basically all the work so yeah he's a he's a snake but you're right he does uh baseball just lets that guy have so much power i mean i mean yark you wouldn't let Scott Boris, give your wife a ride to the airport. I'm sure. So, I mean, like, in all sincerity, what do you think, man? Like, you hate Scott Boris because he's really good at his job. But what do you think of him overall? Oh, he's, he's, he is the worst thing about MLB. He's terrible. He's a scumbag. He, I think he was great at his job, probably around that A Rod deal. But since then, like the things that um, James said, this happens a lot, man. Like he he just is is he's almost trying to to destroy baseball system more than he is trying to help the players that he has. Like anybody can get these big deals for the guys he's he's yeah. got. You know, you know, if you got Carlos Correa, you're getting a big deal. Any I me any one of us could have walked in and got a ten year three hundred million dollar deal for that kid last year. Any one of us. You know, and and not saying that, you know, he's not good at his job or anything, but he has turned way more into just looking to further his brand for the next guy than actually helping each one of his players. Like a guy like Pedro Alvarez, who would have benefited from signing an early extension on in his career. He's out of baseball in a couple of years because he insisted he was a third baseman. Then he insisted he was a first baseman after he did that whole her fluffle with the draft signing. It's it's a really good point, York. Too like what you said is is he's getting these big deals, but he's also going out of his way to make sure he can destroy baseball as much as he can, and all these these things that he feels are inconveniences and things that get in the way of what he wants to do. So he's he's getting you know working it from both ends on that. So that that that's easily fifty percent of what he's doing. He's getting rich regardless. Oh, and but he's already mega rich. He's worth five hundred million or yeah. whatever at this point or something. Like I mean, that. and he'll retire and somebody will take over for him. But it's just you have to <laughs> you have to think that that's why he's been so dangerous for the game because he's. He's not just somebody that can walk into a room and get money for an obviously good player. He's somebody that has convinced people to pay for people that are 32 years old, and we all know that's too old for baseball. You guys, <laughs> I mean, it's 
it's changed the game. And, and it's funny to give an agent that kind of power um, in a sport. I, I just think that the NFL has headed that off at the pass um, several times. Um, they've had agents try to infiltrate the ranks as far as their negotiations go to, and they put the kibosh on it pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah. Rosenhaus. Who was P.O.'s? Rosenhaus. Rosenhaus. He was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of players had Rosenhaus too, but Rosenhaus fell back in line because he realized the machine was bigger than he was and he was going to get crushed. And, well, uh, even I was just going to add too, Gary. What was it? We did we we were we did a show and Boris uh, spoke at something, but it was for Major League Baseball. And yeah, I was, was like, that the, what? the GM meetings. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell is he doing there? Yeah. Like, why are you letting this guy, like, your guest speaker in the evening is Scott Boris? Like, right. I just like, what is, how does that even happen? I just, I just pictured him, like, looking at some of the lower level teams, like Charrington, going, like, get your friggin' shine box. Because <laughs> you know, like, there's, you know, he, you know, he's looking down his nose at them. But it, bizarre, bizarre, yeah. baseball's bizarre. Absolutely. Guys, this was great. Um, I think this was a perfect tune-up for Thanksgiving, and now that I'm done recording on Wednesday evening, I know this is coming out on Saturday, I'm going to go and get tuned up so that I can cook uh, a little bit lubricated. Good, you. Good boy. <laughs> but, uh, hey, thanks for have, uh, being on with us, guys. This was really fun. James, always appreciate what you have to say. Really do look forward to um, hanging out with you and talking to you every chance I get. You're a good dude, man. Thank you, sir. And Yark, thanks, brother. I always appreciate it. I know it takes time away from everybody. Oh, Tell no your problem. wife I'm sorry for taking from her birthday. Somehow you got <laughs> presents on her birthday. I don't understand that. Yark, Yark is... I don't know either. I don't even I don't want even to know, know what the happened. price you're going to have to pay when you walk up the stairs. All of a sudden, I got these nice cups. I mean, you walk up those stairs, you might have to defend yourself <laughs> with that up. thing. You don't even know. <laughs> beer's down here i'm staying but thanks for coming on man you're always yeah, you're always good and fun to talk to no thank you guys happy, yeah, happy thanksgiving Day, you Jim. Guys. enjoy your ham enjoy your kid I family I, I certainly will enjoy that ham gary thank you for thank you for saying that well if you have any leftovers <laughs> instead of just disposing of them i'll eat them yeah i like leftovers yes. i'll make ham sandwiches i don't care so do whatever you got to do. Don't sleep on that honey baked ham, though. I'm just telling you. Yeah, it's good you know, stuff. It's good stuff. It is. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you. That's Pirates Fan Forum for this week. Um, again, happy holidays. We'll be back next week. 